Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. Phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425 nationwide. If you want to be on this here program, uh, we've covered the breaking news, Stephen Breyer. We got to move on. I, I guess I now get to do the stuff I was going to do the first hour. We may have to do the extra stack of stuff in the podcast today. You should subscribe to the podcast. If you text the word show, to 33777. I'll send you back the links to Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, you can get the sub stack. We've been doing on occasion an extra stack of stuff. Today may be the day considering, well, I got three hours worth of stuff to go in two hours. I had to cover the breaking news because I do news, not just talk. Now we can set the stage and this is related, uh, if we're honest, to why Stephen Breyer probably wanted to go on and get out there knowing Joe Biden's going to have a struggle. How bad is it? We are now officially in the midterms. Happens every two years. People obsess about it. The moment a presidential election is over, we tend to begin the obsession in politics on the midterms, but you still got a little while. But in even-numbered years, Two years following a presidential election, you have the midterm elections, and historically, the party that controls the White House does badly. George W. Bush was so popular in 2002, he was one of the very few presidents to ever see a gain in his party in the House and the Senate. He came into office having lost the popular vote. Uh, Jim Jeffords jumped ship. They lost the Senate. It had originally been tied. Uh, lost the Senate, set his agenda back, had to have Ted Kennedy help him do the uh, No Child Left Behind Act, and then was able to beat Max Cleland in Georgia in 2002. The media never forgave the Republicans for that one. Got Saxby Chambliss elected, and they took the Senate. They gained seats in the House. It was historic. Normally, however, you're in situations where the president is doing poorly, and we should note that no president of the United States since the advent of modern point. I only learned this yesterday, by the way. I was yesterday years old learning this one. No president of the United States since the invention of modern polling, whether you believe in it or not, no president has ever improved their polling in the midterms from January to November. If you were above 50%, you tended to stay there. If you were below 50%, you stay there. No president's ever really gone up significantly or decreased significantly. They're kind of locked in in the midterms. People are paying attention to other things. And that's bad for the Democrats because Joe Biden is in, in the Real Clear Politics polling average. Hang on a second. Let me get this uh, pulled up. Real Clear Politics is kind of the gold standard for uh, politics. The, the media doesn't like them anymore because they perceive them as leaning to the right, and in content editorially they do, but they do a very good job with their polling. And gosh, Joe Biden, he's at approval is 40.6, disapprove is 55.0. He is uh, continuing to reach record highs in disapproval. The gap, it's 14.4%. That's the spread here. Monmouth University, He's down 17. Insider Advantage, he's down 19. YouGov Economist, down 10. Politico Morning Consult, down 13. Rasmussen, down 21. Harvard Harris, down 14. Reuters Ipsos, down 9. Fox News, down 5. NBC, down 10. Trafalgar, down 20. Quinnipiac, down 19. Gallup, down 16. 
take out Trafalgar Group at uh, 20 and take out Rasmussen at 21. He's still down to record lows. Rasmussen and Trafalgar objectively lean to the right. Fox News, interestingly enough, leans to the left and has. Fox News has been overcounting Democrats for some time. The Fox News poll has leaned to the Democrats, and it gives Joe Biden his most favorable poll, and he's still down five points, 52% disapproval in the Fox News poll. That's remarkable in a cautious poll like that. For him to be still down with 52%, 52.47 is bad. And now there are these things. We have the worst inflation for consumers and industry since 1982. And now there's this from Matt Phillips at Axios. It's official. The stock market is having the worst start to the year ever. That's big, ever. The S&P 500 data goes back to 1929. As of the end of trading Tuesday, the 16th session of the year, 2022 is now officially the worst ever start in the history of the S&P 500, according to data from Ned Davis Research, a stock market research shop. The 8.6% decline for the month edges out the 8.57% drop in January of 2009. The S&P 500 data goes back to 1929. The sell-off has been even worse for the tech-heavy NASDAQ. Big tech is also the major driver of the S&P 500. Tech shares tend to get disproportionately dinged when interest rates go up. I feel like I need to buy more Apple. But it's bad. Worst stock market open ever for the year. Hispanics are souring on Joe Biden and the Democrats. President Biden comfortably won the Hispanic vote in 2020 by 59%, yet a Quinnipiac poll this month showed Biden's job approval among Hispanics is at 28%. It's not just them, it's also NBC News and others. A late 2021 report by 538.com cites a Politico Morning Consult poll showing the dip in Hispanic approval of Biden from 60% to 42% on the economy, from 65% to 45% on the handling of the pandemic in just over four months. Economically, Hispanic Americans were crushed by lockdowns that impacted businesses where many of them work, such as bars, restaurants, barbershops, resorts, hotels, and cafes. Though Vice President Harris was right to note that, quote, sadly, during the course of the pandemic, one-third of our small businesses have closed, She supported the lockdowns. That's bad. Also, turns out, you know who cares most about all the illegal aliens flooding the border? Hispanic voters. And then there's this. Congressional Republicans, this is the Monmouth University poll that has Biden's job approval cratering. Congressional Republicans have a small edge over their Democratic colleagues on a dubious metric. Republicans are slightly less likely to be seen as lacking concern for the average American's financial well-being. This, along with a continued decline in President Biden's job rating, contributes to a small preference for Republican control after this year's midterm election. At the same time, the Monmouth University poll finds that elements of Biden's spending plan remain broadly popular, but passage of his plan is not a top priority. Few Americans believe that either political party truly cares about the average American's pocketbooks. 
Specifically, just 23% say Democrats in Congress are very concerned with looking out for the economic well-being of average Americans. And at the other end of the spectrum, 47% say Democrats are not really concerned. Only 42% say Republicans are not really concerned. That's not good. None of that data is good. The black vote is also bad. NBC News poll, only 60% of black voters support Joe Biden. Normally that number is 90%. That's bad. That's really bad. When only 60% of black voters were the most reliable Democratic vote in the country, when only 60% of them are with Joe Biden, that means the Democrats are toast. And now the Senate could be in jeopardy, really seriously in jeopardy, for the Democrats. This is from Josh Crashauer at National Journal. President Biden's weak approval ratings, compounded by ugly Democratic divisions, have increased the likelihood of a significant Republican wave. Biden's job approval at the one year mark is just under 41%, according to Real Clear Politics, the second lowest of any president in the modern era. Republicans hold a three point advantage on the generic ballot a position that's similar to the party's commanding positions in the midterm elections of 2010 when they netted five Senate seats and 2014 when Republicans regained the Senate majority with nine wins in the Senate. Indeed, the race-by-race analysis hasn't kept up with the deteriorating macro-political reality for Democrats. At the beginning of the cycle, Senate Democrats looked like they would benefit from a favorable Senate map not defending a single state Trump carried in 2020. But with Biden's downturn, the swing states the president carried narrowly, Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin now look like tough territory. Meanwhile, Republican-leaning states like Florida, North Carolina, and Ohio, which once looked competitive, now look like long shots. Even with a solid Democratic recruit in Florida, the presence of a Trump-endorsed candidate in North Carolina, and an underwhelming Republican field in Ohio. At the same time, Democratic-leaning New Hampshire and Colorado could get competitive, even without Chris Sununu running in the former and with a muddied GOP field in the latter in Colorado. Outside of Sununu's decision to pass on the Senate race, most recent developments have played to the Senate GOP's hand. Scandal-plagued Trump-endorsed Sean Parnell dropped out of Pennsylvania, allowing for a more mainstream hedge fund co-CEO, David McCormick. The Democratic primary field has gotten pulled so far to the left in Wisconsin that even Ron Johnson has a clear path to a third term. He's the most vulnerable Republican. Republicans have internal polling showing their challengers are already ahead in Nevada and Georgia. And Democratic surveys show that Raphael Warnock in Georgia and Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada are in bad shape. The biggest challenge for Republicans is recruiting. Arizona and Georgia are indicative of this. Herschel Walker's campaign rarely gives interviews, even to conservative outlets. He's also got ugly divisions in the Georgia Republican Party, peaked by David Perdue running against Brian Kemp fracturing the Republican Party in Georgia, which could potentially help Raphael Warnock and Stacey Abrams. In Arizona, Doug Ducey may revitalize the chances of the state. But as things stand now, the current field is underwhelmed. All the candidates are on the right, with the most established candidate 
Mark Bronovich able to raise campaign cash. That's Josh Krashauer. These are not good signs for the Democrats. In Arizona and Georgia, there's time to sort out the candidate mess. In Georgia, Herschel Walker has raised more money in the last financial quarter than any other Senate candidate in the nation. You know, Herschel Walker, the Republican in Georgia, the former football star, I, I, I've got, I do have concerns. But he could do this on name, ID, and popularity alone. Georgia's got a winning football season. Don't estimate, underestimate stuff like this. The Braves in Georgia win. Herschel Walker can do a, a, a campaign on winning. He's come back as the state comes back in sports. He doesn't have to do interviews. He doesn't even have to do debate. He's got so much money, he can run a positive ad campaign across the state, just like um, uh, Warnock has done. Warnock had did on all these ads. I love my puppies. I love puppies. You can't hate me. I may have run over my wife, but I love puppies. I w- if the Walker team is listening at all right now, you get out there on the airwaves and you make him the most positive-sounding candidate ever. You don't have to do a debate. You don't have to do interviews with the AJC. You don't even have to do interviews with me. Just run positive ads, nonstop positive ads. I love puppies and children. I love America and Jesus. I love Georgia. And when I'm in Georgia, Georgia's winning. I Last time I was in Georgia, we won the football championship. I came back and we won the World Series and the National Football Championship. Me and Georgia makes Georgia winning. In Arizona, if Doug Ducey gets in, he'd be miserable in the Senate. But he'd be a heck of a candidate. Ohio is a poop show. The J.D. Vance, Josh Mandel Senate campaigns are just, they're annihilating each other, which may allow a decent candidate to come forward. I'm intrigued by the Pennsylvania non-Dr. Uh, Oz candidate, the 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 co-CEO. Ron Johnson seems to be rehabilitating himself in Wisconsin. He could do it. New Hampshire, they got to have a good recruit there. The GOP can do this on recruitment, but, of course, they can throw it all away on recruitment as well. I never underestimate the ability of the GOP to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. That being said, it's a brutal campaign season for the Democrats out there right now. What Democrats have to count on is Republicans nominating some really awful, terrible candidates. And the GOP could do that. But also... The GOP could nominate some really awful, terrible candidates, and in a wave year, those people get elected too. That's just the reality we're dealing with. Nationalized elections, they're here to stay for a while. People care more about the national uh, picture than they do the local issues, and that matters right now when the Democrats are so far down. Raphael Warnock can hug as many puppies as he wants, but if voters in Georgia hate Joe Biden, they're going to take it out on Raphael Warnock, puppies or not. What about Justice Avenatti? I mean, he he was competent and and credible and certified for, I mean, TV talk shows and all. Why not? Why not? Um, (laughs) uh, The White House is already out there batting down the rumors that he might um, pick Kamala Harris. Um, (laughs) They're already having to respond. And by the way, this doesn't have anything to do with me. This this has to um, do with uh, Bill Crystal. Bill Crystal put this out. <laughs> this is so obs- whatever. What happened to Bill? I, I I mean, I personally I like Bill, but he, the dude has just gone off the rails completely. 
Uh, at least I, I used to like. I don't know. Um, he's he's kind of gone. I mean, he's just there's a. I don't know. He says straightforward from here. Court over overturns Roe on June thirtieth, July first. Breyer resigns. Says court quote needs aggressive progressive justices. July fourth. Biden picks Harris for the court. Biden resigns as VP. July 5th, Biden picks Romney as VP, saying national unity is needed for the world crisis. In the fall, progressives are energized by the bitter Senate fight to confirm Harris and fierce state legislative battles over choice. Centrists are reassured by the competent Biden-Romney national unity government. November 8th, Democrats have the best midterm for, oh my gosh, this is like, this is, uh, um, I can't use the word I was about to use, but li- this is just self-pleasure in the bathroom for progressives. They're going to go blind reading those two. Tw- Good gracious. Um, that's that's not serious. This is just nonsensical, and yet they're taking that. It, it's, it's, it's serious to say Kamala Harris, he's got problems with Harris, and we got to get into those problems. But they're not so serious that they're going to actually take me seriously and nominate her to the Supreme Court. They're not going to get rid of her. They're not going to get rid of her. Uh, it, I think that the odds on favorite really is uh, the the lady I was talking about, Katanji, uh, K-E-T-A-N-J-I, Katanji Brown Jackson on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, Biden has already said he wanted a, a black female on the Supreme Court, if he could find one, he's put her on the D.C. Circuit to hold her for the Supreme Court. That's where you put people to hold them for the Supreme Court. So there she is. She's a progressive. She's actually a very well-respected jurist. And she was already confirmed in a 50-50 Senate with Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema's vote. So she would be the safe pick to put on the Supreme Court. Uh, and you would have the three progressives all being women. And then you would have uh, Amy Coney Barrett and, and uh, Justice Thomas, Sam Alito, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and, and John Roberts on the conservative side. Also a fairly diverse picture, you might add. Not that the left would ever give them credit. Not that the media ever would. All right, we, we got we to gotta move on. We got to move on. Uh, there's more happening out there. I do want to talk about Kamala Harris, but also uh, the hysteria Pour one out for the Atlantic. People are ready to set that magazine on fire for saying maybe kids don't need to be in masks anymore. A friend of mine notes that uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, who we've been talking about as is, is the most likely pick for Breyer's seat, got Murkowski and Collins to vote for her in addition to Manchin and Cinema. So she's already got through on their votes and apparently has a, a moderate to progressive record. Now, a short time ago, the president was asked about this. Uh, here is the president's statement. We just got this audio. Now I'm going to let's get started with this meeting. All the people yelling. Let's see here. His audio got cut. Announce it on their own. There has been no announcement from Justice Breyer. Let him make whatever statement he's going to make, and I'll be happy to talk about it later. 
It is true. Um, there is no announcement uh, from Justice Breyer. Now, uh, what's his name uh, at NBC News? Um, Pete, what's his name? Who broke the news is the most respected Supreme Court reporter out there. He also leans to the right. Um, he's one of the few conservative, uh, notable conservatives at NBC. He's their Supreme Court reporter. He broke it. And if he broke it, um, he's telling the truth. He's a he's a uh, astonishingly good reporter. Now, all right, uh, we we got to move on to other stuff. We could spend all day. By the way, the phone lines are open. Uh, if anybody wants to call in, eight seven seven nine seven Eric eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. Ironically, we thought they were open earlier and they weren't, but they are now. Okay, I, I want to go back to this story from Clay County, Florida, uh, because there's a larger issue here. This is from uh, John Bachman and a reporter on uh, Fox 30 Action News Jacksonville in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, My affiliate down there, WOKV. This is the the, uh, TV station also owned by the company that owns WOKV. Uh, John Bachman is the anchor, and then you hear the reporter in this story uh, is all of a sudden making national waves. Local family claims Clay County school leaders held secret meetings with their child over gender identity confusion, and now they're suing. The father says the school didn't tell him until after the student attempted suicide. Action News Jack's Robert Grant joins us live at Clay County School headquarters. And Robert, the focus of this lawsuit is also the reason behind a controversial bill moving through the state legislature. Yeah, and John, part of that bill prohibits schools from withholding information about a child's well-being. It also, under current law, states that counselors don't have that obligation always. Well, this legislation looks to change that. You'll notice in this story we've concealed the father's identity. We're also not naming the school to protect the child. A phone call on January 5th turned into a nightmare for one Clay County family. Because our daughter, um, our daughter, uh, attempted suicide by um, hanging herself um, in one of the bathrooms um, of the school. The father says his daughter attempted suicide after a gender identity crisis, but he claims he never knew because his daughter was having secret meetings with a school guidance counselor. It's now the focus of a federal lawsuit filed against Clay County Schools. To protect the rights of parents to be able to to raise their children to di- to direct the care of their child in accordance with their faith and without the interference of government officials. A local counselor tells me confidentiality is protected until a child presents a danger to themselves or others. That's when legally parents have to be notified. Now, for those of you who don't know uh, where it is we're talking about, uh, Clay County, Florida is just south of Jacksonville. So Jacksonville, Florida is Duval County, Florida. And Clay County, Florida is just south of Jacksonville, uh, south of, what is it, uh, the the interstate loop down there uh, around 95, um, 295. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Um, South of Orange Park. Uh, Green Cove Springs is the county seat down there. And this has become a national story. The Florida legislature is now moving on this uh situation because it is it's not just there this is the latest and a lot of people say well it wouldn't happen in a place like this uh the area is fairly conservative socially 
And this has been happening in places like San Francisco and Los Angeles and Chicago. But here we are in Clay County, Florida, where this is happening. The child apparently, so I am told by some of the reports out there that it's a 12-year-old. Not a, not an 18-year-old, not a 17-year-old, but a 12-year-old. Now, that Local is family to, claims Clay that, County uh, stop. That is to be true and, and to be certain here. I'm being told this by multiple people. I have not confirmed that it's a 12-year-old. But there are problems here. I think it is true, right, and accurate that a lot of progressives have given up on educating in public schools. Not all. There are some very good public schools in the country, and we shouldn't lump them all in. But when we're speaking in generalities, I think I can generally say that progressives have given up on public schools. And I want to say something here that shouldn't get me in trouble, but I think could get me in trouble. If we are honest, and again, I I feel like i got to tread lightly here, whether I should or not, and I I don't want to self-censor myself on this. But there's been a collapse in family in the black community for decades. It is notable how no one talks about gun violence in Chicago when it is overwhelmingly in the black community and among gangs. And in public schools, we don't talk about the problems that the public school teachers face. You have hungry kids coming to school, often from broken homes, Very often, the kids are taking care of their younger siblings. And it's a struggle each day to get a hungry child who's worried about violence in their community. Where is dad? Is dad in jail? What is mom doing? It's very hard to get that kid to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. There are larger both spiritual and social problems in this country that government can't address, but a lot of the social problems come from government trying to address poverty issues in the 1960s that made dads in particular expendable and then made government an addiction. And we are still feeling those problems today. To admit that what I'm saying is true as opposed to screaming racism at me for saying them, the left would have to admit that their social policies and their social experimentation failed. They can't admit that, and so they have concocted uh, intersectionality and critical theory to explain what's going on to avoid having to address the societal failures of their government programs. So they now say that kids, non-white kids who overwhelmingly populate public schools because richer white families afford to send their kids out or or homeschool parents tend to be white. Uh, They send their kids to private school or what have you. Uh, They've given up on trying to educate these kids. Instead, now they're trying to indoctrinate the kids on why is it you're a victim? And it's all the intersectional critical theory nonsense we see out there. And it happens around the country. People have given up. 
Teachers have given up. Progressives have given up. And they can't admit to failure. So instead, they try to explain their failure. And in explaining their failure, it's whitey is bad. And it's oppression. It's not our policies. It's not our encouraging the breakup of the family in the 60s with government policy. It's not that, that we, we've thrown your dad in jail. It's not that we've made it difficult for there to be one parent at home with you. It's, it's not that we've ruined society through government intervention. We've gotten churches and local groups out of the way. The government came in, tried to do it all, and screwed it all up, screwed up your family, broke up your family, incentivized the breakup of the family, and now you're toast. Now we got to tell you it's it's the racists and the racists have done this. And it's not just the racists, it's the bigots, it's the narrow-mindedness. And now instead of trying to teach you reading, writing, and arithmetic and, and how to learn, we're going to indoctrinate you into this stuff so that you too don't have the ambition or wherewithal to look and realize how we screwed you up. Now when you see that you've been screwed up, you're going to have an explanation for it. It's going to be our explanation. It's going to be critical theory. It's going to be that it's the racist systems. Oh, look at this. In Needham High School in Massachusetts, the biology class, the section on genetics, is now engaged in indoctrination, not education. Let me read you some of the slides. Language matters, it says. Humans are socially conditioned to view sex and gender as binary. Using language that removes gendered terms to talk about bodies helps to ensure that people with diverse asexualities, agenders, bodies, and aromantic orientations are included and respected. Human biological variation, intersex people represent just under 2% of the population, a comparable percentage to people born with red hair. Only mentioning biological sex as male and female marginalizes intersex people who have been persistently discriminated against. There's anatomical sex. Sex is comprised of things like uh, genitals, chromosomes, hormones, body hair, and more. But one thing it's not is gender. Gender identity, your psychological sense of self, who you in your head know yourself to be based on how much you align or don't align with what you understand to be the options for gender. Gender expression, the ways you present gender through your actions, clothing, demeanor, and more, your outward-facing self and how this that's interpreted by others based on gender norms. And attraction, like sex, attraction isn't really a component of gender. However, we often conflate sexual, conflate sexual orientation with gender or categorize the attractions we experience in gendered ways. And then non-human examples of variation. The umbrella. Plants with a particular breeding system change their sex. The common reed frog, evidence suggests the common reed, for, reed frog is a sequential hermaphrodite. And the clownfish, a school of clownfish, always built into an hierarchy with a female fish atop. And when she dies, the dominant male changes sex and takes her place. Yes, that's right. An amphibian, a fish, and a plant. In science, we would say, wait a second. That's not our genus nor our species. It's not even our, what, King Philip came over from Great Spain. So it's not even our family of animal. We're mammals. Show me the mammal. We're mammals, after all. We're not a we're not a fish. We're not a frog. We're not an amphibian. We're not a reptile. We're not a plant. Show us that, but they won't. And then listen to this. Listen. Let, let's go back here. Intersex people represent two percent of the population, a comparable percentage to people born with red hair. That's not true. Do you know what the actual percentage is? 
hundredths of a percent. This is what they're teaching in a biology class. It's not true. It's not science. It's indoctrination mass to science. And it's pervasive now in public schools around the country where the left cannot admit its failures to educate. What it instead is doing is finding excuses for its failure and imposing those excuses on the kids. And so it comes to Clay County, Florida, where they've removed the parents from the well-being and and mental health of their children so that a 12-year-old or a teenager of any, it doesn't matter the age, can go to a school counselor and begin discussions about not just sexuality, but transgenderism and a gender identity crisis. And the parents only find out when the kid tries to commit suicide, failed by the counselor, no less. The parents are immigrants, want to raise their child in a, a, a religious upbringing, Society probably through a phone and social media has gotten into the kid's head and confused the kid. And instead of providing clarity, the school counselors provided confirmation. The child is confused and devolved into self-harm and the parents knew nothing about it because the indoctrination shop called the school decided to keep their mouths shut until they couldn't any longer because of the kid's self-harm. This is what public school systems around the country are doing to kids. And if you're a public school teacher, you should be outraged by this because we're painting with broad brushes, I realize, but increasingly the broad brushes are painting the picture of what's going on. And if you don't speak up, at some point you become complicit. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. You can be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. To the phones we go. Denise, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I just had a thought listening to you. Uh, I should have gone to law school, but I didn't. Um, I'm wondering why if claiming what we need is diversity and equity on the Supreme Court, most of the justices are from uh, Ivy League schools, in particular right. Harvard Law. Yeah. Look, I, I always say that the problem with the Supreme Court getting involved in the culture war issues is that uh, they seek to impose the morality of Harvard Yard on 350 million people. Not sure that's wise. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, first of all, you know, you didn't need to go to law school. Uh, I went to law school. I'm still paying off my student loans from law school. Uh, but, uh, the, the issue here is uh, diversity is skin deep for so many people. And that's the problem. There's no intellectual diversity. Uh, they, they want you to be, uh, red, yellow, black, and white. We're all precious in God's sight. Uh, but please don't think like a conservative. And that's the problem here is you can have I, I, a, I, I got the, I, go ahead. I got the, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I, I understand that. I'm, I'm just throwing this out there because it's like, it's so absurd. It's like, do you not see <laughs> this? I mean, do you right. not see this? Yeah, it, it's it's frustrating so much in just that it, it shapes so much of corporate America as well, where corporate America wants groupthink. They want everybody to be on the same page ideologically, 
Uh, you just don't have to worry about it um, with skin color. Let, let's have everybody look different but think the same. That's not really true diversity. And even then, you, you got people from different backgrounds and, and different ways of life. It's it's a deeply, deeply uh, frustrating area of uh, law and business these days for that level of embrace of just skin color diversity that so doesn't match the real world. It's unfortunate. This is where we are. Uh, the shallowness of the DEI movement. So, you know, I, I'm, so I go to a gym, it's CrossFit gym. And uh, the, the, the owner of the gym was talking about how CrossFit now has developed a diversity, equity, and inclusion program. Now, the thing you got to understand about this, whether you like it or not as a, as a exercise movement or what, uh, the best get ahead, the best physically get ahead. And to, to think that we now have to have some sort of diversity, equity, and inclusion in gyms when your athletic prowess is what sets you apart and, and your physicality sets you apart is absurd. We're going to try to get more people into CrossFit. Okay, that's fine, but anybody's welcome in some of those welcoming places. Look, I mean, have you all seen me? I'm welcome in one of those places. I actually enjoy the exercises, just non-traditional sort of exercises you do. And, and it's great. And I'm getting better. It's the diet is my problem. The pizza and beer diet. In my mid-40s, I probably need to give it up and like be a, there's no way I'm becoming a vegan. I don't know. Maybe I'll do the just eat meat. I'll become the, the, the carnivore diet. I don't know. Anyway, when we come back, more of your calls, 877-973-7425. A word on mental health when we come back. Some big news out there. It's 2022, and guess what? Nothing still makes sense. The whole world seems to be going crazy right now, and banks have gotten really skittish at helping small businesses. They're perfectly happy to help the giant businesses, but what about you? You're a small business, you got to buy a building or build a building, or you need a big loan for a fleet of vehicles to grow your business, and the banks are giving you a hard time. Check out my friends at First Liberty Building and Loan. They can help you nationwide, wherever you are, if you're a small business and you need access to loans, let's say 500000 and up, First Liberty can do it. They've been doing this since the early 90s. The Frost family are friends of mine. They're committed Christians and they're great business people and they are committed to small businesses. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for them. They want to help you get to yes where the big banks are saying no. Nationwide, they can help you if you're a small business. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com. 